in, in, in the spirit of what was shared on Sunday, um, I said, Lord, do you want me to totally change it? Do you want to go a different direction? What, you know, what, what, what is in your heart, Father, for tonight? And the Lord dropped something in my heart. He said, last Wednesday, you played Dr. Dufresne's sermon on the effects of the presence of God. And got served as a, that was really a word of God to us as a congregation. From Dr. Dufresne, even though it was 32 years old, it felt like it was right now. Even though he's in heaven, it felt like he was standing right there. In fact, that's the only time I've ever sensed his anointing in the room since I've seen him in, per, in person. Now, I'm not saying he was here because he wasn't here. He's in heaven. But it just God did a, an unusual thing on that evening where I, I could feel that anointing that I could feel when I was around him in person. It seemed like it was directly for our church, even though it was for his church in Tulsa. And it seemed like it was being preached live. Doctor did sound a little younger. If you listen to some of his older stuff, um, he sounded a little more uh, energetic and sprightly on that. I guess that was 1988. So that was, you know, quite a while ago, 30, 32 years ago. But anyway, praise the Lord. I, I felt the Lord prompt me and say, you were talking about that last week. And I gave you confirmation through that, that you're going to see some things. And you're going to see some supernatural things, just like that young man did. And then based on what I said on Sunday, we're going to see a dramatic influx of divine joinings because when God said to the king of Israel, who was ungodly and a murderer, when he said, I'm going to do it for you, he disagree. Just agree. His aide, his assistant didn't agree and it disqualified him. Amen. Uh, but uh, when God says it, it's going to happen. And our job is just to agree, and it takes faith to preach messages like that. It's much easier for me to just ponder them in my own heart. Ever read that scripture? I claim that scripture to the Lord. I said, Father, I put my word, your word before you. I'm pondering it in my heart. He said, now you don't know, don't try to use the word against me, son. You know, because I, I was trying to be sneaky there. He said, when I tell you to say it, you need to say it. Do you understand? And then he said, now, so God's been talking over the couple weeks about us, about we're going to see some things. And Dr. Dufresne talked to us last week about that, uh, even though it was many years ago. But the Holy Ghost bore witness in our spirits. That message was alive today for us. And then I just felt him say, I want you to keep the Dr. Dufresne, Dr. Dufresne theme this evening. And I want you to play, not, I'm not going to play a whole sermon like I did last week, but I, I want you to play a little snippet of something that is very important to your church. Because some, and I forget this, Reverend Taylor, but some of the new folks to our church have never even heard this before. This is so, this is so part of my DNA. The thought that you haven't heard it is shocking and, and, and disgusting to me. Uh, but it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Probably my fault. It's probably my fault. You, maybe you haven't heard it because maybe I should be giving more attention to it. But I felt the Lord say, you played last night. That was me telling you through him, you're going to see some signs and wonders, which goes along with that theme that God's been getting over to us in the last couple of weeks. He yeah. said, but I want you to talk a little bit tonight about, about something else that he said, which is probably the greatest word that he's ever given to our congregation. Yeah. So let me take you back in time for a few minutes. Uh, there were rabbits, raccoons. Snakes, fish, um, I don't know what other kind of parrots, many wildlife, not African wildlife, Canadian wildlife. <laughs> and there was a wall right down this hallway right here. And there was a whole little bunch of little rooms in here where dear Miss Annabelle 
and her, and her little party center for birthdays uh, where she, people would rent out the building. And of course, we had a big yellow slide that came down out above the green room and came down and there was a huge yellow duck hanging from the ceiling somewhere around here. And everything was bright purple and yellow and green and magenta and it just looked like a, a children's wonderland. And I came in to Kim and I said, I don't know about this. But God brought us supernaturally here and God said, I want you to take half the building, which I'd always been taught not to do. Don't share with people because they'll cause you problems. But God said to do it. She was the greatest uh, tenant that, we've, that we could have ever asked for. We helped her because she couldn't make her, her bills because her business was going under because that was the time. Listen, isn't that funny? The time of the worst recession, well, maybe, maybe now, maybe, well, it hasn't happened yet. Things are not good right now, but we haven't gone into the, wor- uh, the recession that they say we might go into because of COVID. So we can't really say right now because it hasn't really happened yet. It hopefully won't, but they're, they're saying it could. I don't know. But if you, if you remove COVID from the equation, the worst recession since the Great Depression was 2008. Yes. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Yeah. And there was a lot of problems in business and a lot of things failed, if you remember back then. And when did God ask us to start the church? 2008. It was the worst in the natural possible time for God to ask us to start something, but we did. And because of that, because of the downturn in the economy, Miss Annabelle, who rented the whole building, could not pay her rent because she couldn't get people that were willing to come and spend $1,000 on a party for their child so they could stroke the raccoon and hold the snake and tap the duck and go down the slide. And the parents were just, uh, they were just wanting to put food on the table. They weren't interested in the luxuries of life. And so she was very grateful for us to come. And so this wall was up here and we had the whole congregation face this way. And we had a small little stage over there and, and everything was just half the size, praise God. And so Dr. Dufresne had come. We had rented a place in Oakville because we were going to go to Oakville because I was afraid of somebody in a minister. I was afraid of them in Mississauga. And I was running away from the call of God. And, and we had signed the papers and everything was done. And the night the keys were to be passed. And I asked Lorraine, so par- supposedly prayer warrior Lorraine. And I said, Lorraine, now does God want us to have this place in Oakville? And she says, pastor, I don't think so. I said, I bind that. I said, Jennifer, I know God wants us to have this place in Oakville. And Jennifer says, I don't know. I agree with Lorraine. I said, you see, Lord, they're picking, picking on me. They're standing up together against the will of God. And on the night the keys were to be delivered to us by messenger, the word of the Lord came to my wife and the Lord said, when they don't get delivered and this falls through, do not cry. Tell your husband not to cry because he knows I couldn't hear him at that moment. And she said, honey, when this falls through, I said, that's not faith, sweetheart. She said, it's not about faith. It's about the word of the Lord. When this falls through, don't cry because we weren't ever supposed to be in Oakville anyway. You're running away from the call of God because some preacher is persecuting you. So I repented after all that time, Lorraine. You know, we were in your house for a long time, but you know why? Not my fault. It was the preacher that was persecuting me. It's his fault. You know why? Because I was looking for all that time in Oakville. I didn't only didn't really start looking here until like, you know, very much later. We wasted six months looking in Oakville. That's not my fault. So just cool your jets now. It wasn't my fault we were in the basement for that long. I was under persecution, Lorraine. I was hiding in the foxhole. 
But praise God, thank God we didn't buy that rotten hole-in-the-wall place in Oakville. That would have been the end of the ministry if we had done that. So we turned around, we came back here and faced the music and this persecution. And uh, even though we had rented a place in Oakville because we didn't have a building, and I said, Lorraine, let's have doctor in your home in the basement. And she says, absolutely not. We're not having the prophet here in the basement. And so we went and rented a place in Oakville because that's where we thought we were going. But then finally we realized that's not what God wanted. And we come back here and we found this building and we've been here ever since. And that was July 2009 when we rented the place. Now we're talking June 2010. So almost 11 months later and Dr. Dufresne came for the first time in this building. And they always start Monday night services. And so I called and I said, uh, no Morgan. She did a lot of the stuff then. I said, no Morgan, we're starting Monday morning. And she says, but they don't start on Monday mornings. They start Monday night and Tuesday morning, Tuesday night. And they do that. Pastor Nancy does the morning. Doctor does the evening. And they go through to Friday. I said, I'm not like everybody else. I said, I'm hungry and I'm a starving. We are starting Monday morning. And I said, Mama, I called her personally. I said, I know you don't do it, but do it for me because I'm so hungry. I want an extra service from you. Start Monday morning. And she agreed, which they never did. She agreed. That was a good sign. <laughs> so we come in here. We didn't know if anybody would even show up, but we did. We had an okay crowd. It's Monday morning, so it wasn't full or anything. But we had how many? Maybe 50, 60 people, something like that. And, 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 and she just had word of knowledge after word of knowledge after word of knowledge. You remember that? She just called people out. She didn't even preach. She just called out healings. And, and God had given her about 40 words of knowledge in the hotel room. And she said, Lord, this is Monday morning. They're in a new church. There might be 10 people there. So you've given me all these words. I hope they're all racked with disease because if they're not, the people, (laughs) I mean, if they don't have fully overhaul, everyone needs an overhaul with the number of words she had because she thought there'd be maybe 10 people and they're all dying. Then it would work. She says, oh, thank God there's 60 people here. Maybe that makes sense now why there was so many words. And she just called words out. And people got healed and it was wonderful. And then, and then right at the end, she's just finishing off. I'm, I'm Dr. Step on my left. Jenny's on my right. And, uh, uh, you know, the rose between the thorns. You know how it works. And, um, and so doctor's on my left. And, and, and she's just finishing up. We're almost done the service. And I start to hear him sing. Doctor can't sing. He's okay, but he can't sing. And I've never heard him sing in my life before, before or since. I've never heard him sing. That was the only time. And he started to sing. And I grabbed that microphone. And and the time that it took me to grab the microphone, turn it on, and put it to him, he'd already said the first statement. But the ambient mic that Pastor Nancy was wearing picked up the first statement. And we've we've, uh, filtered it through uh, something to try to lessen the music. Pastor Joe Siegel was here and he was up on the piano playing as a blessing to us. Do you remember that, Jenny? And as he started to play, see that, that, that minstrel anointing, as he started to play, that anointing came on doctor. And, And he started to sing and prophesy and he had an open vision. And that is when the roof of this building disappeared. And he saw into the realm of the spirit and he saw a hand, a large hand, like a crane almost, he said. And he saw it went over on the west side of the city and it picked up the mantle and it brought it over. And he said he saw it and let it go like in the heavens above us. And he said it saw it come down like this over this building. And he's seeing it open. The roofs disappeared. It was an open vision. Not in his mind's eye, nothing like that. It was an open vision, the highest kind of a vision. And, then he's, and that's when he started to sing after he had seen that vision. 
And so uh, you'll hear, and I'll tell you again at the end what all the words are, but I want you to listen now to that little song. He made some statements in that song, and I want you to hear them. And then he talks for five minutes about what had just happened. And then Pastor Nancy t takes the microphone, and she starts to pray a little bit. And uh, I'm not sure that we'll play the whole thing, but let's just see how it goes, because she mainly just prays and prays. And then afterwards, she stops and she says, why don't we all start to pray out for the plan of God? So I might play that part, I might not, but I want you to hear at least what doctors said. So can you go and play that and listen to what the prophet said? I have put my approval on This is the place Where healing will flow This is the place Where my spirit can flow This is the place That many will go out my word. This is the place I have put my hand Many years I was at a, another church here in town preaching and ministering. A friend of mine, still consider a friend of mine. And I got caught up in the spirit. Now I, I, I've gotten in this city, I've been, I, I've been speaking in this city for many years. And I've been, uh, had visions and uh, some, I think some of you are here when I've been in uh, those churches and seen things. Like for one, I saw, I saw a, a spirit that had kangaroo legs. Some of you remember that. And I took authority over that. And at that time, it just didn't seem like that church would grow. But I took authority over that thing. Actually, there was two spirits. There was one left over from the previous administration. And then there was another one that just kept it from growing. And that kangaroo thing was just jumping here and there and jumping there. And it was just people just jumping from church to church. Church tramps spirit. I like to call it. But when my wife was minister, see, these things pertain to the spirit. I know that's probably the direction I'll go tonight. That, that scripture. But then I was sitting in the chair one, 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 one morning. My wife was teaching prayer. And I, there's some of you here that were in those meetings. My wife was teaching on the subject of prayer. And I got caught up in the spirit just like I did right then. And See, I can't sing. 
lest the anointing comes on you, on me. I sang that out of my spirit because God gave me a vision when I was sitting there. Well, I had that vision in that church. I, I, saw, I, saw, uh, I saw a church downtown to Toronto, way downtown. And it was around the turn of the century. They had a revival. See, God has been endeavoring to, to move in this area of Canada. Now, just over in Edmonton, I was just preaching over there. And but I, I, every time I think of Toronto, I, I just my spirit, I cry out for this city because God's one endeavor. Well, that old church around the turn of the century is downtown. I forget the name, but maybe it's not necessary to mention the name. And God moved in that in that church. See, He moved in that church, but then it and, and then it weaned. And then it went over to another church that some of you that are in here, you came out of that church. And then it went on to my friend's church. I saw that. And he said, now, 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 now it's on them. But now they have chosen to go a different direction. And now God said, it's on this place. Very reluctant to say that. God kept dealing with it. I'll do it in private. He said, no, you got to say it in public. I did not bring in despair on anybody or anything else. you got to understand that. No. Are you listening to me? He's saying what the Spirit says. But it has to do the things that pertain to the Spirit. I know. I, I've lost friends from moving with the Spirit. I've lost friends from going, going with anointing of God. You see, every time God's moving in a different way, you got to move with it. If you don't, you just become a club. You understand what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Now I'll go out of here and say, I talk despair against anybody whatsoever. I'm talking about the things that pertain to the Spirit. Let's don't, let's don't get into the flesh and, and mean it something it didn't mean. But God's hands on this place. God raised it up. His hand approval is on it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And how many times that he has come to this city and wanting to move by his spirit and it starts moving, then after a few years or something they go they get in the flesh and get this and get this and do that and do that and, and miss it what God wants to do because this is going to be a move of the gifts of the spirit the things that pertain to the spirit he's going to move in a strong way in this area I got excited when I was invited to come and back in the city I haven't been here in many 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 years except for that other meeting that we had with pastor Greg Craig and uh, I got excited again because I love the city. Always felt good about this city and what God wants to do. Are you listening to me? So let's just raise your hand. Not that we're big shots or above anybody else. But let's just praise him and thank him for his move. Thank him for this week. Thank him for what he's going to do this week and what he's going to do in the future. We just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Amen. It's important that we remember those words. Very important to God. A lot of people say, well, that was a long time ago. Does that really apply? Well, there's no time with God. But God says it, and we don't pay attention, and we don't show honor. How do you show honor for something? You, you, you treat it reverently. Part of that means you, you, you bring it up once in a while. You talk about it. And what he saw, and I just turn quickly. I think you know the Bible about this, but just turn quickly, if you would please, with me uh, to 2 Kings chapter 2. Can you just look there with me for a minute? 2 Kings chapter 2. <clears throat> and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Did you? Okay. And the sons of the prophets were at Bethel, that were at Bethel, came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? See, even those prophets had picked up something in the spirit yeah. that they knew Elijah was going. Nobody told them, but they knew it by the spirit. And he said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. In other words, shut up. I don't need you telling me. I don't need you pressuring me. I don't need you telling me that, you know, this day is, is here upon me. He said, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah, Elijah said unto him, tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. There's always some, even if they're picking things up, they won't come close. Yeah. Don't be the kind of person that's picking up that God's about to do something and stays far away from it. Be the kind of person that hugs and stays close to the Elijah. Yes. Be the one that says, listen, at the very beginning when he came and he threw the coat on Elisha, remember? And Elisha said, hold on a second, sir. Let me go and say goodbye to my mom and dad. And what did he say to him? He was a bit gruff, Elijah was. And he said, what have I got to do with you? Do whatever you want. I don't need you to come. In other words, there was no encouragement. Are you listening? And I need to explain something to you that I wasn't planning on saying this tonight, but I feel prompted to say it, so maybe it's the right time. But a little while ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, your church, is you, you try to encourage the people too much. I said, what do you mean encourage it? You're always trying to tell them to come to church. You're always trying to, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need to encourage because people are lazy and people are carnal and people are overly busy and distracted. And you know what I'm saying? You've got to encourage people. But the, the Lord kind of said to me, son, uh, if they need that much encouragement, they're not going to make it anyway. Just teach them the word. Let the word take root. If the word doesn't take root, all your words of encouragement and, and this and, you know, trying to come at it from this angle and trying to come at it from that angle and let's send an email here and let's do this and let's have another meeting and let's try to give you a gift and let's try to do this and that. All that's not going to work. Because if the word hasn't taken root, you're not, you're not going to probably make it anyway because my, my words are not the words of God. My words are my words. They're human words. Words of encouragement can help you, but they're, they're just mental. They're just soulish. They're just emotional. They're not, it takes the word of God, the spirit on the word of God, because it's spirit and life, yeah. to go into you and to ground you, to put an anchor to your soul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
If the word is not doing that in you, really the preacher's encouragement will have a little bit of effect, but it's not going to probably turn the tide. It's the word of God that turns the tide in people's hearts. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, now you're, you're, you've got this mantle on you, don't you? I want you to listen. I don't think I've ever preached this before. He said, you got the mantle on you, don't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, did you notice that the one who received the mantle, he's talking about Elisha, the one who was before, not the double portion, but he still got the coat thrown on him at the very beginning. He said, did you notice the one who received the mantle, even at the beginning, did you notice there was no encouragement for him? And he said, your church might not be like every other church because I've put something on your church. And if you try to baby the people too much and try to almost woo them to come and to follow, uh, in the day of battle, they're probably not going to stand. The one who received the mantle didn't receive any encouragement. In fact, he was told to get out of here because it was a test to see if he could hold because the day was coming where there wasn't going to be encouragement. The day was coming where either he had the word of God in him to hold him or, or if he needed always to be babied and coddled and moddy coddled, you know what I'm saying? If he needed, he's not going to make it in the day of trouble. I just said the Lord showed me that, Jenny, and I don't think I've ever preached that before publicly because I've been kind of meditating, and it sounds a little bit harsh, but I just prompted, he just prompted me to say it now, so I, I wasn't in my notes, but I'm saying it. I just feel like it needs to be said. The, the, the man that had the mantle had no encouragement. He either did it or he got disqualified, and God would raise somebody else up. And uh, the Lord started saying, there's nothing wrong with encouraging folks. Don't take this into the ditch. But what he was trying to say to me is, you got to kind of get to the place, son, where you just give them the word and be quiet. Just give them the word. And if the word isn't enough for them, they're not going to make it anyway. So all your talk and hubba baloo and this and that and oh, please. It's not going to cut it at the day of the storm. It's not going to cut it in their life. So why don't you just, the mantle's on you. You're like Elijah. The church is like Elisha. The mantle's on you. But you don't always have to baby them and try to drag them all the time because Elijah didn't do that with them. True. In fact, if anything, he tried to say, get out. He did, yeah. Do you understand? That is not church growth friendly. The church growth seminars don't tell you to preach that way because they tell you, don't tell anybody they're sinning. Don't tell anybody anything wrong with them. Stroke them, smooth them, rub the cat the right way. Don't go against the grain because then people will feel comfortable and they'll feel safe and they won't be challenged to change. And then you can grow a big church with lots of money in a big building very quickly. The problem is you're on sand. You're not on the rock. So you might have a whole lot of people on the sand and not that many people on the rock comparatively, but the rock will hold you in the storm and the sand you will sink. Because you can't just go with everything feels good in life. You got to go with the word and the word doesn't always feel good, although it's good for you. You can't just go with chocolate. You've got to go with vegetables and salad and fruit and healthy food, even though it doesn't have the same sugar high as, you know what I'm saying, the Toblerone bar or whatever it is that you like. That doesn't mean that there's never place for that, but it can't be your main thing. And then the church, there's place for encouragement. There's place for coddling and loving. Of course there is, because Jesus is very, he's got a wide variety of emotions and love and compassion and kindness and encouragement. But it's not enough to just always do that. You got to still feed people the word. You got to be on the rock, whether they like the sharp edge or not. The sand's nice and smooth on your feet, but the rock might cut you a little bit at times because God's trying to cut stuff away from you. 
Do you understand? So if you're not, we, we got to just say it and not always try to push people. And, and I know that's my nature. It's my nature. It's my nature to try to go, oh, no, 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 brother. You know, I didn't mean that, right? You know, just, just, just come. I know you didn't like it, but it's okay. everything's going to be good. See, body coddling. That's my nature to do that. It wasn't Dr. Dufresne's nature. It certainly wasn't Lester Sumrall's nature. It wasn't even on the same universe as Wigglesworth's nature. But some people, it's their nature. It's my nature to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that, that will produce weak soldiers in the day of battle because now they're here because of my words of emotional encouragement instead of knowing that God has spoken to their heart and the word is being fed to them and it has rooted them and grounded them and an anchor to them. And it doesn't matter whether I call them, if I miss their birthday, if I don't say hi to them, the whole, and none of that matters. They're here because that's the attitude in the day of trouble that is going to be required for the mental not to be lost. Now, did you notice at the very beginning, there was no encouragement? And at the very end, there was no encouragement. God does that as a picture to show us if both bread has no encouragement, let me tell you, the ham sandwich, the ham had no encouragement either. God was, was sandwiching it and he's saying right at the inception, he said, I don't care. And right at the end, he's saying, don't even come. I don't even want you. Leave, stay here. See, Elijah was, was not encouraging Elisha to follow. In fact, Jenny, he was saying, stay here. But Elisha in his spirit knew, I can't be away from him. If I'm not with him, I'm not going to get what God has for me. So he might not be encouraging me with a breadcrumb trail. He might not be giving me lattes every morning and saying, now there's benefits. There's benefits to being with me. He might be saying, Elijah, stay here. I'm going. It don't matter what he says. My job is not to go with his encouragement. My job is to say, I know what I know, and I'm not leaving you as the Lord lives and as my soul lives. I'm not leaving. And thank God Elisha did that because if he hadn't have done it, he wouldn't have got the mantle. Do you understand? And I believe that God was watching us because he told me, I watched you from 2004. I, I, I said that on Sunday afternoon. I read about the ant prophecy. That was the first time that Dr. Frayne had ever seen me and he didn't know me, remember Jenny in Peru? And that's when that anointing came on us for this work because that's when he prophesied about the ants coming for this work. That was like Samuel going to Jesse's house privately and saying, here, you're anointed king. But it was many years before David actually took the throne, but the anointing was on him. And that even though it was a large thousand member church, lots of people, we did not know one single person in that entire building except the senior pastor who we were there because we thought we were moving there to help him in his work. He's the only human being we knew. Pastor Jim Andrews, he's the only, we didn't know anybody. We'd never met Dr. Dufresne. We'd never met Pastor Nancy. We didn't know anybody in their entourage. We didn't know anybody in that church. They're all Peruvian people. So even though it was public, it was like it was private because nobody knows us and we don't know them. And he calls me out and he gives that word. Why? The God was doing that. The prophet like Samuel, the prophet like doctor was speaking forth what was coming. And that's when the clock started. And it was was six years of positioning and not going to Peru and accepting the call and working for the church for for Dr. Coulter and going through all of this. This was all a positioning six years until 2010 June, which was six years later. And doctor saw the open vision. Now this was the public. Because eventually you can't take everything. It doesn't always go exact. Okay. You know, David still had that 15 years where he hadn't had the public. You understand? But then finally he gets to Hebron and there's a public ceremony. So you don't, not everything matches exactly for him. The whole 15 years was, he was under that private anointing. For us though, 
that 15 years ended last year. And now we've entered into Hebron. And that anointing is increasing. But God, the timeline, God said the first six, you're just, prep, you're just in preparatory positioning yourself, uh, seeing if you even qualify. And now the next six, now it's going to come on you and I want to see what you do with it. Because if you do what the other churches did and you don't ever talk about it and you don't even show honor for it, you don't pray about it and you don't show the people that they need to reverence what God has said. If you act that way, I'll take it off you and give it to somebody who appreciates it. So the first six was just positioning and the second six was seeing that we qualified and got that baton right in our hand. But that all, that six years started 2004 to 10, 10 to 16. Remember it ended in 16 and then we had that three years, 17, 18 and 19. I'm giving you a little snapshot so you can understand the history of the church. Before the church even started, we started in 08, but this started in 04. God was already seeing the church before I even had accepted the call. He's prophesying in Peru. Are you a pastor? No. Do you want to be a pastor? No. Well, okay, but I still see what I see. They're coming by the hundreds and they're coming by the thousands and they're coming in perfect rank and file from every direction and they're coming like ants to your church. He didn't understand because I had not ex even accepted. Look at how merciful God is. I haven't accepted the call yet and he's already prophesying. And that was four to 10. And then in 10 is what you heard the singing. 10 is when God made it public. 10 is when he said, now the mantle is here. Now let's see what you do with it. And now we're starting to increase, praise God. Now the mantle is starting to work. But I want to let you know that Elisha, when he first got the first part of the mantle, see, even with him, like David, there's two, there's two seasons. He got the little coat. That was his training season. Then eight years later, he got the mantle from heaven. Do you see that? He got a measure of the anointing at the beginning, and that happened in 2004. And then there was another measure of the anointing that came in 2010, which is what you just heard. But I want you to notice that even at the end, before that mantle came, before, you know, he saw and he said, Father, Father, and, and he goes up to heaven and, and he sees this thing come and he picks it up. Before that happened, there was no encouragement. He had to know in his heart that he was supposed, what he was supposed to do. The other prophets, the other students in the school weren't encouraging him. His man of God was not encouraging him. Nobody was trying to say, well, you know, let's let him, he has feelings. Let's be nice to his feelings. Nobody was doing that. And sometimes God does that on purpose. He won't modicoddle you because if you need modicoddling in the day where there's no test and trial, you will never make it in the day where they're trying to kill you. In the day where you are oppressed and persecuted for this message and for standing with this ministry and for having this vision and for healing the sick. But the day that they persecute you and it's all coming, so you better get ready for it. If you can't handle this without me begging you to come to church, you'll never handle it then. You'll cut and run like all the other ones did. But there's always a group of Elishas, Jenny. There's always people that say, I know what I know. As the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not. I'm not going to. You don't need to encourage me, sir. I'm here. And God's looking for those kind of people. Because if he hadn't had that attitude, he wouldn't have got the mantle. Do you understand? And the Lord showed me that parallel. He said, the man that had the mantle didn't have encouragement at the beginning or the end. And he said, the mantle's on your church. There's nothing wrong with encouraging them, son. But if my word's not enough for them, they're not going to make it anyway. Amen. So you can encourage them, but don't try to modicoddle them. Don't be afraid. If they don't make it, I'll have to raise up more. Amen. Because the mantle is going to produce regardless. Amen. It's God's will. So we see here, you know, I don't have to read it again. But anyway, let's just read it because I like to read the Bible. And verse 8, and Elijah took his mantle 
and wrapped it together. It was just a garment that he wore and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. Think about that miracle is an astonishing miracle in and of itself. Water stops flowing and the ground dries instantaneously. I mean, that's astonishing. That's the working of miracles. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, now he's passed the test. He didn't leave. Are you with me? He didn't leave the man of God when he could have because he wasn't encouraged. But he's still there, just like you guys. And he said, Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. In other words, to get a double portion of God's power isn't light or cheap. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire (laughs) and horses of fire. Remember in Dothan, there were chariots of fire and horses of fire. Well, that's the first time Elisha's probably seen them in this case because this happened obviously before and parted them both asunder. Now you're talking with your buddy and and that chariot of made of fire and a big old horse made of fire comes and pushes in between you and you're going this way and they're going that way and you've never seen a horse made of fire before what do you think your eyes are naturally going to gravitate to you're going to want to look at that horse and try to figure it out you're going to want to look at that chariot and try to figure it out but what was the condition you take your eyes off me you don't get it and the greatest distraction that could possibly come came Right there in between them to try to get his eyes, Jenny, diverted. Are you listening? And what did he do? And parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind. So he didn't go like all your Bible stories, your kid that shows them up in the chariot. That didn't read their Bible. He didn't go up in the chariot. The chariot of fire tried to part them. He went up in a tornado. That's how he went to heaven. He didn't go up in the chariot of fire. He went up in the tornado. Do you understand? The fire was just there to distract him. He went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it. Notice he didn't just look at the chariot. he, He saw it. He saw him go up in the whirlwind. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. That's what somebody does when you have lost somebody dear to you. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him as he's going up in a tornado. I mean, I wonder why Hollywood doesn't make a movie about this. They try to change the story and make these stupid movies that don't even make sense. And it's so much more powerful if they just stay with the Bible. Why can't they make a person going up in a tornado? Can you imagine what that must have looked like? And, And a horse and a chariot made of fire? And then uh, this garment comes whipped out of the wickets, pushed out of the tornado, and it's falling. And it represented the double portion anointing. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. Remember how his daddy did that? And said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted thither and hither. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And anyway, it goes on and on and on and on about how they submitted to him as their leader. And he became the leader of the school. Do you understand? Now, did you notice here that that, that mantle came down? And if he had, he had to stay with the man of God 
And then he had to keep his eyes on what he needed to keep his eyes on, which was the man of God, and not be distracted by a lot of other things. Otherwise, he wouldn't have received that mantle. And I believe we've passed some of those tests because that mantle came. The way the Lord said it to me was, he said, when that first anointing came on you in 2004, he said, I watched you for six years to see if you would hook up with Dr. Dufresne. And, 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 I, and I, if I hadn't of got with my Elijah, that mantle would have, this service would have never happened, that thing would have never happened, that mantle would have never come. Because you have to be with the person that God's called you to be. Those divine associations are incredibly important to God. And, and doctor, you know, he loved people. He was a good man, but you know, he wasn't calling me every three days to encourage me and to tell me everything's going to be okay. And I know you're going through a hard time, but everything's going to be okay. He, he just wasn't like that and good and rightfully so, because if I don't know, I'm supposed to be with him. His encouragement is not really going to win at the end of the day. I've got to know it, but I knew I was supposed to be with him. And I said, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I'm not leaving you. And right to the time that he left, right to the time that he left, I kept my eyes on him. Praise God. And I believe that because of that connection, that divine connection and our hearts and of course a lot of other factors, not just that, but God said, now you have that mantle there. And that's what he saw. That's what you heard. That's what he sang about. You hear that, that, that anointing. What is the mantle? A mantle is, a, an, is an assignment. It's an, the anointing on an assignment. That's all it is. There is an assignment. That, did you notice what he said? God's been endeavoring to do something in the city. Why, why does he keep saying that? Because the mantle or the anointing is an assignment for Toronto. He didn't say the nation. He said the city. The mantle is an assignment from God with supernatural power attached to it because it's going to take power. We cannot do this with simple sermons. It's going to take a demonstration of all God Almighty's power. And it's that, that assignment connected to power for a particular location. And for us, it's for Toronto. That's why he told me before Dr. I ever hooked up with him, he said, when you start your church, remember, I decided to start the church before I had even knew Dr. Dufresne. And I said, who's going to be my spiritual father? And he said, Dr. Dufresne. I had seen him at the church that I attended and that I worked at, but I'd never met him before. And he said, go and call him. And I did, and we hooked up and all that stuff. But, but I'd, that's why he said to me, when, he, when I went up to uh, those, what do you call those places, Jenny? Now they, every, the government wants to get involved in every little thing that they possibly can. What do you call that place up there on Old Baseline Road? Those big, round, doldrum-looking things? Badlands. Badlands. Used to be a day where you could just walk around wherever you wanted. Now they got it all fenced off. You got to pay. I mean, just anyway, don't even get me started about big government because I'll lose the anointing. But I went up there to pray. And when I decided to start the church and the Lord said to me, even then, before I even knew Dr. Dufresne, before I even knew I was going to get hooked up with Dr. Dufresne, God said, and you'll be at this church for the rest of your life. He said, I'm, you're not like other ministers that you're going to do this church and then go over there and do this church and then go over there and do this church and then undo that church and go over there and do that church. A lot of pastors do that. You, maybe you don't know that if you're not in ministry, but I'm telling you, a lot of pastors, they go like this. They move all over, probably because they get bored of where they're at and they want another environment. They want another group of people. Sometimes they want nicer weather and, and they go. And the Lord said, you will not, you'll not be there. You'll be there for the rest of your life until I return. So I knew that long before. So that big, why? I didn't understand, Gloria, why God said that. I'm like, really? I have to be here forever? I don't even like Toronto. I don't like the snow. I don't like anything. I, I'd rather go to another country, please. Like Bahamas is a good place. Or maybe Hawaii, maybe Africa. Somewhere where it's hot all year long and there's water. But he said, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. He already said that before I even knew about the mantle. Before I even met Dr. Dufresne. Why did he say that? Because he knew the mantle was coming. And because he knew the mantle 
Atlanta was an assignment for Toronto. And he knew the assignment could not be accomplished in a couple years. The assignment would take a lifetime to accomplish. It's not a light thing. Do you understand? So if we're people with the mantle, you got to have a little bit of fortitude to you because there may not always be the measure of mollycoddling encouragement that your previous pastor gave you because the assignment's different here. Do you understand? And I've done my part to keep my eyes and I've picked it up and we've been faithful so far and I don't believe we're going to lose it. But we have, to, we, have to, we have to qualify in Ziglag, which we did. We're qualifying in Hebron, which we are and we will. And we will qualify in Jerusalem because I, I just have a no-quit attitude and I'm not going to displease God. But that mantle that I've picked up that is on you and that is on me, it's an assignment for this city. It's an assignment for this city. Why would God put us in this rotten city? I don't know. And I don't mean that negatively, but this is a rotten city. It is rotten to its core with evil. We lead the world in evil with sexual immorality and laws that don't even make common sense. They're, they're against nature. They don't even normal. They're, they're totally demonically inspired. I'm telling you, we, we, this city is no longer Toronto the good anymore. It's not. The, the spiritual climate is dark, 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 dark. And they could, would kill us if they could, but they can't. And that assignment is for this city so that the glory of God can be seen on this city. That's why when the mento came, Jennifer, what a doctor immediately talked talking about, God is trying to do something in the city. Why? Because the mento is for the city. You can't get it done without a supernatural measure of extra power and boldness and money and people and influence and buildings and gifts of the Holy Ghost and power and signs and wonders. It's going to take that to turn this city. And even then, probably the city won't be turned all, oh, but some will. The, the ones that are looking will. The ones that want God will. The rest will go through the tribulation. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, God's going to do something because a mental Jenny is for the city. Hallelujah. I just felt him say, you need to talk about it. You haven't, talk, you haven't played this in a long time, son. There's some people that never even heard it. You better talk about it. You better play it. You better let them hear, even though they didn't, didn't met him. Some of them never met him, but they, they only see a picture of him, but they better hear his voice because it's just as relevant today as it was when he said it. And, and their mantle is not changed. It's not diminished. It, it's not lesser. It's not, it hasn't somehow ceased to be relevant. That mantle is the same today. And if anything, it's starting to grow and it's, it's starting to, it's starting to life is breathing into that mantle, Jenny. It's breathing life into us. It's starting to turn. Because this Hebron season, now we're going to start to see this more and more and more. And what I said on Sunday is directly connected to this. Why do we need a dramatic influx? Why do we need a surging forward in money and in growth and in everything to do with our local congregation and a new building? Why do we need it? Because the, it's not because God wants us to be fancy and think we're all that. It's because the mantle cannot accomplish the assignment without it. It's going to take more than what we've got to fulfill this. Yes, sir. But we can't be modelly coddling everybody all the time. Either you know it or you don't. If you don't, then, then, then seek God because your future depends on some things. Don't try to get me to convince you. You, you seek God. You fast. You pray. If you're not sure I'm your pastor or this is your church, you pray. You, your future is dependent on you being in the perfect will of God. Your future children's health is dependent on it. Your, I'm telling you, people that get out of the will of God, they open the door to the devil. Yes. 
They go to the wrong job, they marry the wrong person, they're doing the wrong thing, and especially they're in the wrong place of spiritual feeding, which is the, probably the most important. If they get out of the will of God, they open a door to the devil and things start going wrong in their life. And no matter how much they claim and confess and try and whine and call prayer lines and go for counseling, it doesn't work because they, remember, he said to Isaac, stay in the land. If he got out into a different land, he can't claim the blessing. The blessing won't work. What did Abraham say to the servant when he was going to find the wife for Isaac? He said, if the girl don't come, then he don't get married. He is not leaving the land. If he don't get married, he don't have children. If he don't have children, then the blessing of Abraham doesn't come to pass. So this is a pretty major statement for Abraham to say. You'd think he would have bent a little bit and been a bit more flexible. Well, Abraham, if he doesn't get married, he's not going to have children. If he doesn't have children, what God promised you will never happen. So just be a bit flexible. But you notice how inflexible he was because he knew the place that God said was more important than the promise. If you will stay where God tells you to stay, even if there's tests and trial, persecution, you don't have the job that you wanted, the thing, the, oh, the thing passes over you here and passes over you there, but you stay where God told you to stay. I promise you if you're faithful, the blessing will cause you to abound. God will never let people that obey in the place they were supposed to be planted, he'll never let them fail and have less than because of their obedience to him. If anything, he'll make sure they have more. Abraham had to stay put, Jenny. He had to make sure his son stayed put. And we know Rebecca came and there was no problem. And then after Daddy Abraham's gone, and now he's tempted to leave because of the famine in the land. I said it in COVID. What did God tell him? You stay. Don't go where it's lush and green, but it's brown and dead. It looks like Aaron in the summertime. I don't think any of my neighbors, including myself, have one blade of green grass. Everything's dead like the Sinai. Lord, why would we not, why would I stay here when you've got a nice lush place down where the Philistines live and God says, I don't care how dry it is. I don't care how dead it is. I don't care how hungry you are. You stay. And what else do you do? You sow. And I'll give you a hundredfold in famine. And you don't leave until I tell you to leave. And God led him around different places, but he stayed in the land of promise. And Jacob had to run for a short while, but he came back and he stayed in the land of promise. And then the 12 tribes began to grow in mass and strength and number, and they stayed in the land of promise. And then they messed up before 400 years, they got oppressed, but they came back to stay in the land of promise. See, see, I'm telling you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The promise was you're going to have kids, but there was something more important than the promise, staying where God told them to stay. Because that is what the promise hinges on that obedience. So he didn't say, well, let, let him go. If he don't find a mate, let him go. God will understand. He said, if he don't find a mate, God's going to have to figure it out. I don't, at this point, I don't care about the promise coming to pass. I care about obeying. And God told me to stay. That's more important than the promise of increase. God told me to stay. So you better make sure that you know. Those watching my live stream, you better make sure that you know. Because somebody with the mantle on doesn't always coddle everybody. And you better make sure that you know and that you stay put where God tells you to stay because your future and what God has planned for your future is directly connected to obedience. The blessing of Abraham works directly connected to that obedience. And I'm telling you that mantle is here. It is just because I don't talk about it every Sunday. Don't think for a second it's not real. Don't think for a second that it's not hovering. Don't think for a second that assignment has been released. Don't think for a second that God has forgotten. He has not forgotten. I, as a pastor, have to balance my teaching, and I can't talk about this every single Sunday. Otherwise, we would have an imbalanced church. But once in a while, and I haven't talked about it in a long time. I don't even remember the last time I played that. Once in a while, the Lord says, you better, you better do that. 
You better talk about it because that mantle is starting to move. The assignment for Toronto, Jenny, is on our church. I'm not saying that nobody else has it, but I'm not concerned what other churches have or don't have. They're not my business. My business is this, my backyard. It's keeping my backyard clean. It's doing what God told me to do. It's not running after every other work and trying to imitate them. I've got to know what God's told me to do and keep my head down and plow. And that's what I'm doing. And I didn't ask for it. God picked me. I don't know why, but he picked me in 2004 and he did a private ceremony of the anointing. And in 2010, he did a public ceremony. And then in 2016, he says, now the first six years you positioned well and you connected right. Congratulations. The second six years, you showed honor for what I gave you. You talked about it. You prayed about it. And, and, and you have not lost it. Congratulations. Now for the next year, I'm going to say some things to you. And then I'm going to start some things. And then I'm going to settle some things, 17, 18, 19. And it happened exactly like God said. And then he said, and then in 2020, you're going to change from Ziglag to Hebron and it's going to be your takeoff year. And that's exactly what's starting to happen. In the realm of the spirit, that's happened. You may not see it all right now, but isn't it interesting, Gary, that God waited until this season. He didn't really talk that much about it in that season because I was in the mansion of Ziglag and there wasn't a room that contained that revelation. I knew a little bit, but I didn't know all. But now that we've entered the mansion called Hebron and there's now rooms and on June 21st, we came into that other room and now immediately God is starting to say, because now we're in another room in the season. And he's starting to say, because revelation is in this room for the expansion of our church. That's why he started saying, don't worry about the, don't worry about the building, son. I got it all under control. And you're about to have a dramatic influx. Now about could mean two years, three years, four years, or it could mean four months. I don't know. If I were you, I'd be ready. Randy, I told you, you better get extra sleep. My God. But when God says, I'm going to do some things, what, is he, what do we do? We don't argue like the aid because we'll die. We'll, we'll, we will be disqualified. We may not physically die, but we will get separated from the plan of God. What do we say? We agree, sir. Your mind says, how? I don't know. I don't care. We agree, sir. I I disagree with you. I disagree with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I don't know how you're going to deal with that. That's not my problem. My problem, my my deal is I disagree with you because why are you telling me a surge is coming? Because the mental, the assignment needs more to, it needs, we need, God needs the church to get to a certain place for that mental, that assignment to actually work properly. Praise God. But I'm encouraging you that I I will always encourage you. But at the end of the day, you've got to know in your heart. Like Elisha knew. Praise God. Can I tell you something else? Years ago, I said a statement to you. I told you what the word Toronto meant. Some of you have forgotten that. And and, And the Lord brought me back to it today. I didn't really know I was going to go this direction tonight. I had a sense it was something like this, but I didn't exactly know what. And he brought it back to me today. And let me read you the definition of the word Toronto. It's a Mohawk word. And it means where where there are trees standing in the water in Mohawk. It's the word Takaronto. T-K-A-R-O-N-T-O. It's a Mohawk word. Now, when 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 I got that, when he showed me that back years ago, when he was talking to us about the mantle, Jenny, he, it means, and literally, what it really means, can I read you, that's the definition of the actual word, where, where there are trees standing in the water, but then the next phrase that goes along with that word, in other words, why are they standing in the water? The next phrase is, trees are useful instruments of wood planted in the flow of waters in order to catch fish. So what would the Indians do? Instead of going with a little line like we do, or a net, they would have the, the river that would come by, and it's the river that comes down, intro, that comes up from up north and enters into Lake Ontario. That's the river they would do this with. And they would go and they would put stakes down in the river, and then they would put like a mesh thing connected to the stakes. 
and they would just, there's no work involved. They just set it up and they walk away because the fish are coming down with the current of the river and the fish can't see the net. And when the fish hit the net, they can't get away because the current of the pressure of the water is pushing against them. And so they just stick to the net. The First Nations individuals come down and they reach down and they grab the, they grab the fish and they throw them on the bank. And that's how they would catch their fish. Do you understand? And when I first saw this, the Lord showed me this meaning. He said, uh, because I, he said, you in Toronto's definition means catching fish. And he said, I want there to be a great harvest of fish in Toronto. But that's all I got. That's all I had. Today, he showed me something different, Jenny. It's like he showed me another part of this that I hadn't seen before. He said, go back to that definition of the Mohawk word for Toronto. So I went back and I read it again. You know what he said to me? He said, it's not just about catching fish, son. He said, it's about the trees or the pieces of wood standing in the water. I said, what do you mean by that, Lord? And I saw it. I saw it in the spirit. He said, there is a current and a flow of evil in this city. And he said, I'm looking for individuals that will take a stand and stand in the middle of a current of evil. And even though it's pushing past them and trying to get them to bow and trying to get them to lean, they stand against the flow and they say, no! And they stand with each other. And in that, see, I just saw it as soul winning, catching fish, but I never saw this till today. He said, in that standing for righteousness, as you stand your ground, that's when you catch the fish, son. Because there are ones in the city that don't want the filth. They don't want the perversion, but they don't know any better because the light of the word has never dawned in their heart. But they're looking for something else and they know that what they have is not enough. And they're looking for someone to stand in the middle of a current. And the church is just going with the current most of the time. But there are churches God will raise up. I don't think we're the only ones. But there are churches God is raising up to stand in the middle of a current. And to stretch our nets and say, this is not the only way. There is another way. His name's Jesus. And those at once stick around. And those at once swim right into it and they receive it. You see, that mantle is for the city. That assignment is for Toronto. That assignment is for fish catching. That assignment is the boldness and the authority and the glory and the signs and wonders and the majesty of God on us so that we can stand in a dark world. So that when the current is pushing, that mantle, that assignment hovers over us and gives us strength to stand when the current pushes against us. When the lawsuits threaten us, when they say they're going to kill us, we stand there and we say, bring it! We'll never bow. We'll never bow. And what's more, you need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. We stand in the middle of darkness and we say, light comes unto you. Come and receive the light. But it's going to take power to stand when there's a dark current pushing against you. And that mental is, our, is an assignment for the city, I'm telling you. It's an assignment for the city. Hallelujah. I didn't plan to go all this route today, but I just feel that's maybe what the Holy Ghost wants. To remind you, and so that we can record this, and then in the future, I don't have to preach it every time, but we can give this to somebody that's new and say, this is our DNA. There is a mental on us, an assignment for the city. It's a dark city, but we're going to stand, and that power is going to be with us, and we're going to see signs and wonders, and we're going to have that surge because we're going to need it. 
I'm telling you, my God, Jenny, I'm so excited. I can hardly take it. What's coming? I just wish it could hurry up. I wish it could come faster. But let me tell you why it won't. And I'm not going to tell you what God told me, but I will tell you this. At one o'clock worship on Sunday, I just shared this the first time. I was about to share it the second time. And I heard the word of the Lord come to me while Taylor was singing. And I heard these words. I've told you what's coming. Would you like to know the price of it? And I said, yes, Lord. And he started to talk to me about the price that has to be paid for what's coming. For the surge. You don't get things like this, the measure of glory and God doing supernatural things because you just sit around the couch eating Cheetos and watching movies all day long or because you're just doing your regular administrative. I'm talking about as a pastor now. Okay, as well as the congregation, but especially me. And so he started talking to me about a price. And I said, Lord, I won't tell you everything yet because it's premature. But I said, Lord, I said, you're talking the word price to me, but I'm stumbling over that. I said, because everybody that I respect and trust tells me that you can't earn this from you. That what I'm, the actions that I do, I'm not earning, I'm not paying for your power. Your power is free. Your power is by grace. Your grace is free. But at the same time, everybody like David and everybody that I talked to, Dr. DeFrey, everybody I talked to talked about a price. So I said, I don't understand if it's free, why is there a price? Because I'm stumbling over that word. Because it means earning to me, Jenny. And he spoke to me right there at that scene. I wrote it down in the green room. And he rephrased it to help me. He said, you don't earn my power. And you don't pay for my power by these things I'm asking you to do. He said, these things I'm asking you to do position you for my power. But I call it the price. But it's really a positioning In other words, it's free and it's from God. But if you're over yonder and God needs you over here and you don't push through your flesh and different things that God expects you to do to position yourself here, then what God's pouring out, you don't qualify to get. Even though he called you to get it, he told you long before that he wants you to have it. He said there's an assignment. He said there's a mantle, but you can still miss it. Remember, Gehazi missed it just because he's around the anointing doesn't mean he was going to make it. You can have the mantle, you can have all these prophecies, you can still miss it if you don't position yourself. And the, these things I'm asking you to do, son, and putting your flesh under in certain areas and doing some actions that I need to do, this will position you. I call it the price, but really the price is nothing but a positioning for the power. Are you listening? The price is nothing but positioning for the power. And God needs us to be. Now, this is why I know that in my spirit, the surge can't happen this year. I know it. Yeah. I tell you right now, the surge is not going to happen this year. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's not going to happen this year. And you know why? Because when he said, now I've told you what's coming, let me talk, talk to you about the price. The price hasn't been paid. And it's going to take me longer than six months to pay the price. Yeah. And he won't pour things out until the right positioning. Why would he pour it out when the wineskin is not new? Yeah. He will just lose what he poured and he'll destroy the one that he put it in. That's what Jesus said. The wineskin breaks, the wine is lost, and the wineskin is destroyed. No, you must have a new wineskin. God in his mercy is simply looking down the path of our future, and he's saying, you're now in Hebron, you're in this new season. You've just come into a room. In this room contains revelation. Part of the revelation is I want you to know, down yonder, still in this mansion, but down yonder, something's coming that's going to blow your wig. I want you to know it so you start to pray, but more than that, you start to pay the price. You start to position yourself. You start to get your wineskin soft and ready. Because if I pour it on you now, 
it would destroy the church, it would destroy you, it would blow the whole thing up, and it would. If 5,000 people or 1,000 or even 1,500 people showed up next week, we would not be able to handle it. Lorraine is already sleeping four hours a night. And she's working as hard as she can. Our staff is not ready to handle it. We couldn't. As good as you are, I mean, we're the best staff in the world. We couldn't, we couldn't handle that. The congregation is not ready for that. We don't have a building. I'm not saying we'll get the building first. We might get the building after. But I'm saying we just don't have things in place. Our hearts are right. And we've heard the call. And we've heard the prophecies. And we want, our hearts are right. But our wineskin's not quite where it needs to be. I don't think we're so brittle and dry that one drop's going to make us explode. But I don't think we're at the place where we can handle this dramatic surge. So why is God telling us? Because he's looking in the future. He's saying, if I don't tell you now to position yourself, and as you're positioning, see, what is getting your wineskin soft? It's the positioning process. As you're softening and getting your wineskin ready, now finally when it's ready, you are positioned, and now I can go, yeah. but if I go too soon, you'll go. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> okay, I don't want to go. Poof. I want to be able to handle it. But listen, listen, my brothers and sisters, that mantle that he saw and that is just as real now as it ever has been. It is, in fact, it's more real today. Yes. That mantle, that assignment is, hasn't gone anywhere. And it's now more than ever appropriate to talk about it because it's for, it was for Ziglag, but it's really for Hebron and it's really, really for Jerusalem. And, but this season, we're going to see it work a lot more way than we saw the last season. So we got to talk about it, but we got to pay the price and position ourselves and get our wineskin ready because he's telling us now and he's looking into the future because he knows it's coming, but he knows he's, he's got to get us ready so that we don't have loss. Amen. Do you understand? Yes, Praise God. Yeah. There's even practical things. When Dad Hagen, the Lord told him, and he said, Lord, when my children are young, God didn't have to listen to him, but God was merciful to him in that season. God didn't have to say yes, but he did. He said, Lord, could I pastor for a while while my children are young? Because a traveling minister doesn't get to see their children. And God said, I will allow that. Look at that. And so the, some of the early stages of his children, not all of it, but some of it, he was pastoring. And I'm telling you, God is very practical that way. You try to expand this by tenfold. I have to have a whole nother measure of, of, of understanding of administration. I have, to ha I have to improve my delegation skills. Our staff has to grow and be trained. I'm just talking about natural things. And, and, the, and the energy that it will require and the pressure and the attacks and everything, the responsibility, I, I don't know if I could handle it with a four-year-old and a five-year-old. I think God in his mercy is just giving me a season to prepare and the church to prepare. And even in the natural realm, that none of you care about, but I care about, he's even letting my children mature a little bit and just get ready. Just get ready. Just get ready. Just get ready. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen within the seven-year period. At least that's what I believe. At least that's what I feel God told me. If I'm wrong, I'll humble myself and say I was wrong. But that's what I feel like I have to say. Did you notice Dr. Dufresne said, Lord, I'll deal with it privately. I'll talk to him in the back room. And the Lord said, you have to say it in public. And that's one of the reasons I had to say this on Sunday, even though I don't want to. I want to keep it private and I want to talk to the staff and the leaders alone and just keep it private. But I have to because God wants it on record. Yes. And the devil doesn't. And he tried to talk me out of it. Believe me. He tried to talk me out of it right at the time I started. But I said, Lord, I'm going to do it because, listen, I'm just trying to obey you. If I miss it, I'll humble myself. But I know what you told me. And my job is to say it. My job is not to try to fulfill it. My job is to say it. My job is to agree. 
But isn't he so kind? Immediately he's saying, now that I've told you what's coming, let me tell you the price. You're not, you haven't paid it yet. You're in the process, but you are not there yet. You are not ready yet. Your church is not ready yet. Your staff is not ready yet. Your children are not ready yet. Your wineskin is not ready yet, but you're getting there. I'm telling you early so that you have a lead up time before the curtain goes up. Praise God. I just want to tell you this before we close. I want to remind you. It's important that you remember. I said to the Lord, some of you never heard this. Some of you have heard this before. I said to the Lord when that mantle thing came and I said, Lord, I don't know anything about the mantle. I don't, I understand what it means kind of, but he said that he saw a vision in the other church of a church downtown. What church is that? And then he said he saw this church have a big revival. And I've heard people talk about it, but I don't know any details. And then he said he saw it go up. And then he said he saw it go west. And then he said he saw it go slightly east onto our church. I said, but Lord, I don't understand. And I felt the Lord say, you need to research that. I said, Lord, I don't even know how to research it. I don't even know where to start. I said, Lord, bring me somebody to teach me. Thank God I asked. And uh, Annie, what's their names? Annie and what's his name? Annie and Kevin Durant came for a Christmas production. Some of you old timers remember that. They did a big Christmas production here. And, and then they were at Evangel Temple the next Sunday. And he said, you want to come with me to Evangel? I hadn't been there in years. I hadn't seen their renovation because I hadn't been there in years. And I, he said, just come with me. I, I, just, I just like you to be there. Just sit on the front row. Just be nice for me because he, he doesn't know the pastor very well. He said, just, just come and sit there and just watch the presentation again. Just so that I, you know, I have somebody. I'd just be nice for you to be there. I said, sure, Brother Kevin. I'd be happy to do that. So I drive on over there. And I mean, this is Evangel. I had keys to all the rooms. I was sneaking in and out. Remember, I've told you all of that. I mean, I went through the revival there. That was my stomping ground. I was the boss. I was a teenager, but I was, I thought I was the boss and pastor Bud loved me so much. He let me get away with almost anything. I could co I could walk into his office almost like without an appointment. I was one of the only ones that could do that. I just walk in and say, pastor, I just want to tell you, I love you. That was such a great sermon. He said, Craig, I thank you, brother. And he just talked to me and just loved me and encouraged me and then let me go. And people would look at me and say, how does that kid get that privilege? I don't know, but God just, he just loved me. I just loved him. I miss him a lot. He was such a wonderful man. Yeah. So I hadn't been there in years. I hadn't seen all their renovations. I hadn't seen any of that. And I knew the, the worship leader. What's his name again? See, I, I, I'm not. Da, what? No, no. What? No, no. No, 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 no. Dawson. Dawson Phillips and his beautiful wife. And they let me live with them in their basement there in, there in Mississauga. And I lived there for six months until I married that beautiful woman. And, and Dawson, the music director, was there when I, I used to sing in the choir. Oh my God. I, I was in every ministry of helps except television production. But I, I actually, that's not true. I was, I was in television production. I was in every ministry of helps except they wouldn't let me count the offering. That's the only thing that they wouldn't let me do. And I applied for it many times. I said, I want in. I want into that money room. And they said, you have to be a certain age and blah, 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 our insurance. I have to serve in the house of the Lord. I have to be in that money room. That's the only out of 50 something departments I served in every one of them except the counting room. That's why I don't like counters to this day. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I, I come there and I haven't seen Dawson and he gives me a big hug and there's a few people there from the old days and we had a little reunion and then I'm sitting there. I've never seen the pastor in my life before, Pastor Beasley. And so I'm not making eye contact or nothing. I'm not there to, I'm just there to help. I'm just there to be a supply to Brother Kevin. And they do the thing and I leave and he waves to me and he goes through into the green room and I wave and I, I didn't even say goodbye to him. I just said, I love you, brother. I'll see you another time. And I'm walking. I know because it's my stomping ground. I know, I know 
the secret hallways. I know everything. So I bypass the crowds and go through the way I know to go through to beat the crowds down to the garage. But as I'm walking down the steps into the garage, your usher comes and he says, uh, uh, excuse me, sir. He didn't even know my name. He said, excuse me, sir. I said, did I do something wrong? <laughs> he said, no, but the pastor would like to see you. I said, oh, oh, okay. So he said, come with me. And he takes me in and Kevin's there. And he said, I asked the pastor if you could come in here. I just had a sense that you needed to be here tonight. I said, okay, thanks, Brother Kevin. And he said, Pastor Beasy, this is Pastor Craigie. He used to come here for years. So he's talking to me and about the church and Pastor Bud and Pastor Bud's son. And we, we're talking and he sits me right by him. I mean, there's all these people in there. I, I, why, why would he do that? God set it up. I'm telling you, God set it up. And I'm sitting there and then he looks at me and, and I said, you know, sir, I just, I I just, uh, and he said, you know, my father used to be the last pastor of the old evangel temple down on Bond Street. Dr. Beasley, my dad. I said, really? I said, I've heard stories about the old evangel temple, but I don't really know anything about it. And he said, you know what? I'd like to tell you about it if you're interested. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'm giving you your answer. So I pulled out my phone and I didn't, I had to look, I wouldn't be respectful. So I just pushed record because I couldn't write notes. And he starts talking to me about the glory days of Evangel Temple. And thank God for Pastor Beasley, that pastor. He's no longer there. He's moved on. There's another pastor there now at Evangel. But he, he was there for a number of years and he loved history. And his father pastored that church downtown. So, I mean, if anybody would know, he would probably be the last person alive that would know. I'm not invited. He has never seen me before. He just has me sit and then was prompted by the spirit to tell me the history. And I'm not saying, well, I tell you why you're being prompted because the mantle that's on who was on here is on me. And you better start talking to me boy, because you know who I am. That's the wrong attitude to have. You shut your mouth, you stay humble and you just say, yes, sir. I would sure love to hear the history. Do you understand? Because they don't even know there is a mantle. They didn't even know it. You know why? Because they wouldn't invite Dr. Dufresne. God told Dr. Dufresne, go to Evangel Temple. And they would never invite him. And that's why they never got, that's why they never knew the mantle was even on them because they wouldn't invite the prophet. God was using him to speak it. And in the next church, they invited him and he spoke it, but they wouldn't treat it right. And then finally he comes here and we invited him and we have treated it right. So he starts to tell me, do you know the roots of event? And I, when he says evangel temple, I, all I hear is mantle. That's what I'm hearing because that's what it means. He said, do you know the roots of evangel temple? I said, no, sir. He said, uh, do you ever heard of Amy Simple McPherson? I said, yes, sir. And I'm thinking, Amy Simple McPherson? The one that Pastor Nancy uh, looks to? And the one, the house that she didn't have it then, but the castle that God gave her of Amy. And, and I just like, it's just bizarre. And he says, well, back in 1917, a pastor named Willard Pierce, he worked with Amy Simple McPherson at Angelus Temple in Los Angeles. And he, he, uh, he felt a call to Canada. And, a and Amy, who was born in Southern Ontario, laid hands on Willard Pierce and said, take my mantle yeah. to the shores of Southern Ontario and start a work with my anointing. That's what she told him. Yeah. With my anointing. For I've always had a heart for my homeland, but God has called me to L.A. Yeah. Go with my anointing and my mantle. That's what she told him. And go to the shores of Toronto, Southern Ontario, and start a work, and my mantle will be with you. So Willard Pierce comes with Amy Simple McPherson's anointing and blessing and assignment, basically, because that's what a mantle is. And they, and, and they were going to call it Angelus Temple North, because it was Angelus Temple, 
LA, which was south, and now we're here in the Northland called Canada. But they thought that it was too long, so they changed it from Angelus Temple to Evangel Temple, and that became Evangel Temple on Bond Street. And he pastored that church for, for, from 1917 to 1924, and God used Willard Pierce just to lay the foundation. He didn't get a lot of glory, but in heaven he's got a big reward. Amen. He had to start it from nothing, Taylor. He had to figure out, you know, all the stuff with the church. So 1917 to 1924 is seven years of just laying a foundation. Then he left, probably thinking, maybe he was thinking it wasn't really working. I don't know. I don't know those details. But another man that came after him, and that man was called Charles Price. And he came in 1924, and shortly after he came, they had the largest Canadian revival, largest revival in Canadian history of any province, of any city, of, at any time. At Evangel Temple, Angel's Temple North, on Bond Street, downtown Toronto, and from 1924 for eight years to 1932, I'm not saying it was hot the entire time, it obviously had phases, but in that eight-year period, they had the largest revival that this nation has ever seen or ever had. And they had 15,000 documented sign conversions of people wanting to come to the church. I, they couldn't fit them all in, but they, th then they had many thousands more that hadn't signed the cards, and that they didn't know about. And then they had tens of thousands of healings that they couldn't even keep track of. God did a supernatural work on Bond Street at Angelus Temple North from 1924 to 1932. And then over some time, Dr. Beasley's dad was the last one of that pastor that church. Isn't it interesting that he had that connection through his father to that mantle, and then years later, Dr. Be pastor Beasley, his son, he, he worked with Benny Hinn. He was the associate pastor at Benny Hinn's church in Florida. And he came up here and he took the reins of that. And, and now I'm sitting with him and he's telling me the history of it. And see, doctor didn't know those details, Kim, but doctor saw a vision. And he saw downtown by the lakefront a massive revival, but he didn't know the name of the church and he didn't know what happened. He didn't know what year it was. He just knew it was around the turn of the century. See, he sees in part and he knows in part, but God brought me the man to give me, to fill in the blanks. So now we know. And, what, and he didn't know it was Amy Simple McPherson's mantle, but now we know. This comes from her. And then over time, God picked that doc, God showed doctor that he picked Dr. Dufresne. He saw God picked it up and put it on Evangel Temple Uptown. That's where I was at all those years. There was an amantel on that church, an assignment for Toronto. And I believe they filled part of it, but not all of it. Then it went over on another church that I love that pastor and I have good relationship with him and everything's great. And, and they, I believe, fulfilled part of it, but not all of it. And then for some reason, God said, it's on here. And that's what you heard tonight. He said, it's on here on this place because it's an assignment for the city and we must fulfill it. We must fulfill it before Jesus returns. And that's why he said to me, the mantle at its height produced 15,000. If you're faithful and if, you're believe, and if you believe me, it, under, your, under your authority, under this, because we're the fourth church, he said in this last day, great revival, this fourth revival, and we're the fourth church, he said it will produce double what it did at its height. He said that to me, not me. You know how many people I've had come to this church, visitors, that they've said, I don't understand this pastor. And some of them have left and some of them have stayed. So not all of them have stayed here, but I've had more than a handful of people that have come up to me, never heard me preach this in my life, said as I was sitting in my chair listening to you preach, whatever I was preaching on, they said, I heard a voice say this church will be 30,000. Does that mean anything to you? Have you ever heard of that before? And I just chuckle at them and say, yes, well, God said that to me, but it's not yet. 
God has confirmed it to me over and over again. He's used other people to confirm it to me. He's used, and then just recently, what he said to me about the surge. And he said, what you have now is about to be tenfold increased. And the, and the sanctuary that Randy Greer stood in, that was full. He said, that was your surge church. That's how he called it, your surge church. And it was about three to 4,000. Now you think I'm after the numbers. I'm not after numbers. I'm after the mantle producing. If the mantle can produce with three people, then that's great. Because with three people, you have hardly any problems. If the mantle can produce with 300 like Gideon, great. Because with 300, you have some problems. But it's going to, t- uh, I didn't ask for that. I, I'm not ambitious for that. But if God says the mantle needs more people, more money, more influence, more prayer, more intercession, more everything to fulfill its assignment, then it obviously can't be fulfilled with three or 400 people, which means with three or 4,000, there's a lot of problems. But that means that there'll be a grace for us. And that's why we have to pray it out and get our wineskins ready so that when the surge comes, we're ready for it. But I want you to know that that mantle is very real. That assignment from God is for this city. God started it downtown and he's going to finish it. And even, even Jerry Savelle, who was at Evangel with me, I was in those meetings. He didn't know me, but of course I saw him on the stage. And that wonderful revival we had for 46 days, and then God told him when he came, what started Evangel didn't end. It will finish in this church under this pastor. You see why, Jenny? Because that revival at Evangel under Jerry was connected to the mantle. It wasn't just about Jerry and about the name Evangel Temple and about the location York Mills and Young. It was about the assignment for Toronto. And the assignment has jumped over time. And it's on us. That's why, it wasn't because I'm important or or special. That's why he said to Jerry, it will finish at this church under this pastor. Why? Because it's connected to the mantle. It's all about the mantle. It's all about the assignment. That's what it's about. That's why I have to protect it. That's why I have to talk about it. That's why you need to know about it. That's why you need to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, this is how you pray. Father, I don't even know. It's so big. I don't even know where to start. I pray for the mantle in the Holy Ghost. And just start to pray. You got to start to pray. And start to call a dramatic influx of divine joinings and we surge forward. Start to call that and start to pray it out in the spirit. Because I'm telling you that mantle will come to pass. I didn't create it. God created it. That mental, that assignment for this dark city. We are going to stand like trees. You're going to stand with me. We're going to stand against a current of evil. We're going to stand. I'm telling you, Gary, we're going to stand. They may hate us, but it's okay. They hated Jesus too. We're going to stand, Jenny. We're going to stand. And they're going to try to push us down, but we're not going to move. And, then, and we're going to have the greatest fish harvest that's ever happened, I believe, in this city. I'm telling you, it's coming. Glory to God. It's coming. See, Toronto's destiny is for revival. I believe, God named, I believe God named this city. I can't prove that because they just talked, the founders just talked to the Mohawks and said, what do you call this place? And they said, Canada and Toronto. And so they named it Canada because <laughs> the Mohawks called it that, the bigger place. And this place, they just named it what the Mohawks did. You say, well, how did, I don't know if God, I don't know. All I know is that I'm telling you, there is a symbol, prophetic symbolism to this name because this city belongs to Jesus and he wants a mighty harvest of fish. And the very name of it means a harvest of fish. So don't worry, don't worry about how dark it gets. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The mantle, the glory of God will see it through. All right, Jenny? You want to add anything, sweetheart? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, 
I thank you and I praise you. Father, you prompted me this morning. You said, just talk about the mantle, son. Re listen, let them listen to Dr. Dufresne's singing. Just talk about it. Father, I've endeavored to do that. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that it will surely come to pass. That we're in a preparation mode. And we're in a place of positioning, even in Hebron. And we're in a place of wineskin preparation. But Lord, it's going to come and it's going to be marvelous in our eyes. And you're going to have a great harvest of souls in this city. Lord, I don't think we'll be able to hold all of them in any one building, but it will be dispersed amongst the churches here. Plus, Lord, whatever other churches you're raising up that I'm not even aware of, you have plans and purposes for other ministries that would work with us, that we work with them, that we're all one team working, batting on the same team. Lord, there's so much potential in this city. There's so many hungry people praying in this city. We just don't know all of them, but they're out there and they're praying. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Some are religious, but many are very hungry. Father, whatever small part we have to play, we'll do it faithfully. And the mantle, although it's not small, Lord, I stay small in my own eyes by saying whatever small part we have to play, we'll be faithful with it. Lord, that mantle, that assignment will surely be realized. In the mighty name of Jesus, you've groomed me from birth for this. You brought me to these shores when my mother wanted to go to another country, but you told her to come here. And within a month of arriving on the shores of Canada, we went to Evangel Temple because you wanted me around that mantle. You wanted me around that mantle, Father. And then after that, I didn't know even the mantle existed, but you led me to the next church under Dr. Coulter. You wanted me around the mantle. And then, Lord, you had me plant this church when I was trying to run away and go to Peru or anywhere else. And you said, no, Lord, you've had to overcome a lot of problems with me and a lot of obstinance. But Lord, I thank you for being patient with me. I thank you for being faithful to me. And even though I've tried to argue with you a lot over the years, I have yielded to the best of my ability. And Lord, I thank you that we are, we are positioned at least in the first phase right. Now we're in the second phase and we continue to be positioned. And Lord, it will continue to grow and it will continue to be blessed. And I thank you for these people, Father, because they know in their heart, I don't have to coddle them, they know in their heart and they follow their heart. They follow the word of God, which is the anchor. And they stay put in their land of Canaan. I bless you and I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we get our offering ready? And while you're doing that, because I never got to... I never got to say this. Just get your offering ready so I don't take any more of your time. But just put that first screen up so that the people can actually see, Peter, what he said. So what did he say? This is the place I have put my hand upon. The hand of God is often synonymous with the power of God. This is the place I put my hand upon. Go to the next one. This is the place I put my approval on. That's what he was singing. Next one. This is the place where healing will flow. All the healing power, gifts of the Spirit, that represents all of that. Next one, this is the place where my spirit can flow. The Word and the Spirit. Next one, this is the place that many will go out and preach my Word. You see, he's talking about spiritual sons. He's talking about ministers that will be risen underneath this apostolic anointing. As part of the foundation of this ministry, God talked about the spiritual sons and the apostolic call. Many, many will go out. It's not me, Victoria. Many as other people will go out and preach the word. And go to the last phrase. He repeats the first phrase. See, I love it. Look at how God sandwiched it. This is the place I've put my hand upon. Look at that. You see the bread on the top and the bread on the bottom? He said the same statement at the beginning as he said at the end. He wanted us to know, my hand's on you. My approval's on you. Healing's here. My Holy Ghost can move. 
and many spiritual sons are going to go out with calls to preach. That's what he prophesied when he saw the mantle. That's what he sang. And we need to remember these phrases. We need to pray out. Father, we pray out that many will go out and preach your word. Father, we pray out that the Holy Ghost can flow freely and the word has free course. Father, we thank you for healing, miracles, signs, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Ghost in our church. Father, we thank you for your approval. Praise God. That means he approves. That word means to, 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 to commend and to, and to see good on. God is saying, you're not perfect and you make a lot of mistakes, but in the bigger picture, you're the right ones. Praise God. Thank you, Father, your hand is on us. Your power is on us. Habakkuk 3 says, the horns came out of God's hand and in the horns were the hiding secret place of his power. So the power of God comes out of his hand. When his hand is on somebody, his power is on them, Lorraine. And he said, my power is on you. My approval is on you. My Holy Ghost can flow here. Healing will flow here. And preachers will go out from here. This is very important. We must never get too callous or familiar with it. We must keep it before our eyes and remember and honor what God used the prophet to say. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I feel like today was a nice summary, Jenny, that I can give into the hands of new people that join our church to let them know a little bit about the DNA of the church. Yeah. Sometimes you do series and you talk it on it for six weeks, but nobody, most people aren't going to listen to six weeks of every final, but just put it in one nice little compact little summary to let them know the history of how we came about and this, the year, the 15 years, and Dr. Dufresne, and the vision, and the mantle. I just think, I think the Holy Ghost helped me tonight. I didn't even, didn't have any notes, and I didn't really know what to do, but I feel like he helped. Praise God.